0: Let me guess, you're playing your ball out of the wrong fairway again. Stop yelling, Four, right, after every shot and start playing the new Big Bertha B21 from Callaway. Because truth is, there's a ton of distance trapped inside your swing. You just need the technology of Big Bertha to unlock it. It's pretty simple a straighter ball equals a longer ball. So Callaway built a whole family of Big Bertha drivers, irons, woods, and hybrids with a new formula for forgiveness. Big Bertha was designed to reduce side spin while generating an insane amount of ball speed, leading to straighter shots off the tee. That's how you unleash your inner distance. And Callaway made Big Bertha iron so forgiving, you can practically hit him anywhere on the face and the ball just launches. No matter your swing, Big Bertha gives every shot more distance. Big Bertha is a full family of long, forgiving, and really easy-to-hit clubs. Say hello to the fairway again. Introduce yourself to the green, because this is distance any way you swing it. Unlock your inner distance today at CallawayGolf.ca slash Big Bertha. A dark chapter in BC criminal history has come to a close. The last person involved in the Surrey Six massacre has been sentenced to an additional five years on top of time served for his role in the slayings. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Vancouver Sun crime reporter Kim Boland joins me by phone to look back at the Surrey Six killings, discuss what Jamie Bacon ultimately pleaded guilty to, and why the case was so complicated in getting to sentencing. Don't forget you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Google, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So, Kim, last Friday, one of the final pieces of the Surrey Six massacre was dealt with, with the sentencing of the chief architect. But first, if you can walk us through, for people who may not remember, as it was a number of years ago, who were the Surrey Six?
1: Well, the Thirty Six six is uh, the phrase that we sort of coined in the media to describe this terrible massacre in a Surrey, B.C. high rise on October 19th, 2007. Mm-hmm. It was a gangland massacre. There was a group of people called the Red Scorpions. One of them, Jamie Bacon, decided he wanted to take out a rival drug trafficker named Corey Lau And keep in mind, all these young gangsters were like 21, 22 at the time, very young. So he sent Hitman to this penthouse floor of this apartment building looking to kill one person, and it just spiraled out of control. They found not only Mr. Lau there, but his brother, a couple of associates, and then Ed Schellenberg, a gas fitter who was servicing the fireplaces in the building that day, ended up getting dragged into it, shot in the head, and killed. And Christopher Mohan, also 22, who lived across the hall with his family, was on his way to a basketball game, and uh, one of the killers saw him in the hallway, didn't want witnesses, pulled him in. He was also shot in the head and killed. So this was a shocking crime here in B.C. and really across the country, because you had not only six people killed in total, which is pretty unheard of mm-hmm. in a gangline murder, but two of them were completely uninvolved by Sanders.
0: And at the time, and I don't know if it still is the case, this was the largest slaying in B.C. crime history, correct?
1: It's the largest gangland slaying in B.C. history. We're notorious, unfortunately, for some other big cases such as Air India, the Willie Picton murder. Mm -hmm. So we we have had a lot of major crimes out here, but this is the biggest gangland slaying.
0: There was a chief target that the killers were looking for in this, and then a number of other people got caught up in uh, this horrible killing. What was this crime linked to? Why was the individual who was the target being targeted?
1: Really, it was as simple as he was a cocky little drug dealer who wanted to expand his territory. He was warned not to sell on the territory of the Red Scorpions, and he continued to do so. It was as simple as that. There was a lot of bravado involved on both sides in this. Corey Lau had a couple of meetings with Bacon or Bacon henchmen prior to this terrible murder. He was told that he had to smarten up. He was warned that something would happen to him unless he paid this $100,000 tax to Bacon and the Red Scorpions. He didn't pay that, and the murder plot was set in motion.
0: I remember this case. I'm in Alberta. Obviously, this case, as big as it is, spanned the country in terms of attention. How quickly were people identified and caught?
1: Well, they were identified very, very quickly. In fact, interestingly, police were following Jamie Bacon around on the day of the murders. They were gathering intelligence on his criminal organization. They were watching him as he met with some of his hitmen at a Coquitlam gym that morning. But obviously, they didn't know what was up, right? Mm-hmm. And he didn't physically go to the building where the murders took place. He just sent people, which has been a complication in this case since the beginning, because obviously, in any murder conspiracy, there's more evidence against the people that actually go and carry out the murders than those who are plotting behind the scenes.
0: As mentioned off the top, the man believed to be the chief architect behind these killings, Jamie Bacon, he was sentenced last Friday for his role. What was it that he pleaded guilty to? Did he plead guilty to murder or was it a lesser charge?
1: He pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit murder. He admitted that he was the head of the Red Scorpions at the time, that he had this beef with Corey Lau, and that he sent people to go and kill Corey Lau and Corey Lau only. He didn't take responsibility for the other five people who ended up being killed that day, nor did he Get convicted of first-degree murder, a charge he has been facing since April of 2009. So he also pleaded guilty to counselling another associate to kill a former Red Scorpion member 14 months later. So that was technically an unrelated case, but all part of the same gang violence and the same I'll-go-take-you-out-if-you're-doing-something-that-bothers-me mentality that these young gangsters unfortunately have.
0: And how long is Bacon off to jail for?
1: Well, he's been in jail since April of 2009. Part of that was serving a sentence on an unrelated firearms case where he was convicted of a number of charges. So he will serve another five years and seven months in prison. It was an 18-year sentence overall, but he got double-time credit that amounted to more than 12 years. There was a lot of dissatisfaction from some of the families of the victims and and obviously from the general public, because he's very notorious. He's believed to be involved in other murders, and certainly the Red Scorpions have been involved in not only this case, but other murders. So some people don't think it was a sufficient sentence, but there was a lot of negotiation that went into it.
0: What did the victim's families have to say about the sentence?
1: Well, only Christopher Mohan's mother, Eileen, made a public statement and she was devastated. I think she thought that the judge would not go along with what was a joint submission from the prosecution and the defense team for this 18-year sentence, minus all the credit. So she was just really quite devastated Friday, you know, weeping outside a courthouse, saying that she was going to keep her fight going for victims' families' rights and she said she was very disappointed that Bacon didn't end up with a life sentence, which one can get for conspiracy to commit murder. Mm-hmm. But definitely, he got a lot less on that.
0: Do you suppose that he got less because there was a plea deal? And why, in a case like this, would there be a plea deal for the person who orchestrated all of this?
1: Well, the plea deal came because there were a lot of problems both with the investigation and with the prosecution. So we know that there were dozens of incredible officers who devoted so much time and attention and rigor to this investigation and, you know, got all the evidence for charges. However, there was four officers who ended up being charged with misconduct of varying degrees because one of them ended up having a relationship with a potential witness in the case. So uh, that really detracted from all the good work that was done, and it was considered that Bacon's charter rights were violated by some of the misconduct by these few officers in the investigation. So that was one major hurdle. And the other was that his lawyers apparently got some information from someone who was a confidential informant or about a confidential informant. We don't know the details because all this information came out at a secret hearing. So we just got a very brief summary. But the issues were so serious that the same judge who sentenced Bacon on Friday back in December of 2017 stayed the charges against him, including the murder charge, because there were problems with the case. We don't have all those details. We wish we did. The Crown appealed that decision in May of 2020. The Court of Appeal reinstated those charges. So this is the backdrop. Now, the same judge was going to be presiding over the new trial. But we know there were these problems with the case. So with all that background, the Crown decided to enter into a negotiation with Bacon's defense lawyers, and we ended up with the plea deal and Friday's sentencing.
0: What are the people who actually carried out the killings? I assume that they've all been tried and sentenced and are serving time in prison, correct?
1: Yes, we have three people, a man named Cody Havisher, a man named Matthew Johnston, And a person we can only call person X because he was cooperating in the case, so we didn't end up testifying in the earlier trial. They are the ones who went to the building and actually did these six murders. All three were convicted. All three are serving life sentences. Havisher and Johnston, first-degree murder, no parole eligibility for 25 years. And person X got second-degree murder and no parole eligibility for 15 years. So those people are in jail as we speak.
0: At the time of the killings, I know we're going back a number of years here. What was the gang and drug landscape like in lower mainland BC? What kind of position did the red scorpions hold? Were they seen as top dogs in the criminal underworld? Who were they beefing with? And did Lal fit in with any of these groups or was he out on his own?
1: Law had his own drug trafficking organization. Some of the people he was tight with ended up being on the United Nations gang side, though I wouldn't say they specifically had that hat on when these murders took place. Red Scorpions were really just an upstart gang, right? And they were started in a youth detention center, if you can believe it. Hmm. Some young people who had been convicted of crimes ended up deciding to start this Red Scorpion gang, Bacon and his brothers were not originally part of that gang. They had joined the Red Scorpion, sort of fortified it, made it a bigger organization. So they were very young and quite fledgling at the time. However, they were ruthless, cocky, and they were taking over drug lines by force, the Red Scorpion. So they were earning a reputation very quickly in the criminal underworld here in B.C. Having said that, people generally would not have heard of them until... Honestly, I started digging into their history after these murders took place.
0: Yeah. And a case like this is six dead in a killing, including two, quote unquote, civilians getting caught up in this brings a lot of notoriety and a lot of attention, both from the media and from police. Did this case kind of lead to a bigger crackdown on the Scorpion's operations? Did they get tied up in other investigations? What has happened in the intervening years to membership and leadership when it comes to being charged with crimes or being caught up in police investigations?
1: Well, certainly both things happen. I mean, police gang investigators really went after some of the major criminal organizations that were involved in the violence at the time. They targeted those who were the greatest risk to public safety, and certainly the Red Scorpions were among the gangs targeted. But their rivals in the United Nations gang also were targeted in major police investigations. And there's been a number of convictions of members of the United Nations gang, ironically, for targeting the Bacon brothers. Jamie Bacon's brother, John Bacon, was shot to death in Kelowna. In August of 2011, that was a United Nations-linked plot. Mm-hmm. The people involved in that pleaded guilty two years ago and are currently in prison. So we had literally dozens of murders after 36 Six that were all part of the same conflict between the Red Scorpions and the United Nations gang. And police have really had their hands full trying to target the violence on the streets, but also preparing cases that were successful for trials. And we've had a lot of convictions. This is
0: just the last. How many members of the the Red Scorpions or leaders of the Red Scorpions wound up in prison?
1: Well, the two main leaders, Jimmy Bacon and Michael Lee, were both convicted in series six and both convicted of conspiracy to kill Mm -hmm. for being behind the murders, but not being actually at the scene. Michael Lee was convicted back in the fall of 2013. He also pleaded guilty, and he testified at the earlier trial of Havisher and Johnston. He has now completed his sentence, and we believe he's out of the country, which is what he said he was going to do once he was out of prison.
0: Are the Red Scorpions still active in BC, or have a membership migrated to other organizations, other gangs, or do they still hold a place within the criminal underworld?
1: Well, as you can imagine, things are very fluid when it comes to gangs and organized crime affiliations in BC and really across the country. Mm -hmm. So there are still people who would call themselves Red Scorpions, but there's also a number of sort of former Red Scorpions who are part of the Wolfpack Alliance. It's sort of an organization that was almost 10 years old now, but it was formed with some Hell's angels, some independent soldiers, another gang. And some red scorpions. So, not all red scorpions became sort of wolf pack, but some of them did, and that organization is still criminally active.
0: Now, with the sentence that Jamie Bacon received, when could Canadians expect that he would be back out on the streets?
1: As most people know, we have legislation in Canada that means that somebody gets statutory release from prison after serving two thirds of their sentence. So, with him getting five years and seven months additional time in prison he could be out in less than four years unless something goes wrong with his incarceration like he's not behaving properly or whatever he could be held till the end of that five year seven month term
0: it's a huge case many canadians will remember and nice to get some kind of closure to it even if the families are not impressed with the sentence kim thanks for your time.
1: thanks for having me
0: Ten three is produced by Carson Jarama, theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest Kim Bolin. More from her at Vancouversun.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.